Warning, this podcast contains bad words and stories about drugs and sex and overthrowing the government. Proceed with caution. Thank you. And now on to our show. Wake up, brother, we got nothing to do. Let's go outside, just me and you, and build a fort. We'll pack a lunch, won't be home till after dark. Then after dinner, we can sneak back out. You know that high school girl I've been telling you about? Well, she gets undressed about a quarter to nine, and we can watch her do it from the big old pie next door. She got a room on the second floor. Well, looks like another fucked up day in paradise. Clap on, clap off. How about some drinky poo? How about a little drinky poo, Randy? (laughs) One of my favorite shows, Trailer Park Boys. What a freaking great show. Uh, It's an acquired taste. Not for everybody. I love it, though. I can watch it and watch it and watch it. I don't know, maybe in a year from now, I'll binge the whole thing from episode one right through. Daughter of Godcast Season 5 Climax. And this is episode 175, Wordess. Wordess. Like goddess, but Wordess. Wordess. I'm Dan Kelly, Shree Fuji Split. Stand by for a ramble about words and converting them into what usually comes before. A backwardsing today, maybe. Do words have an origin? Do they pop up into our kiva from the sapapu? Or are they a fundamental, an origin unto themselves? There's a goddess or two in this movie, and at least one makes words and pictures with her body. I never run out of things to say. That's maybe because I'm not a bag. I'm a pipe. A bag holds only so much, while a pipe doesn't hold at all. A pipe passes. I can never be empty because I am a flowing from dead people, trees, mushrooms, rusty wrecks of ancient autos, uh, careworn paperbacks, overcast skies, heaven, hash pipes. All the cosmos sends me words and I quick type them into my laptop and then say them on this podcast. While writing, I lie snake-like on a Pendleton wool blanket, perfectly still except for my darting eyes and fingers dancing on the keyboard. Well, I am breathing, of course, and I'm guessing my guts might also be in motion too, an invisible, mysterious churning. This is a Kriya, a practice. I invite all of creation to show up, to say something, a forest leans away from a deep stony shaft in some shadowed forgotten place. We are there now with coils of rope and climbing harnesses, packs full of supplies. We set an anchor and rappel in, drop down below sunlight, 
A mist catches the rays of bright day above. Uh, sparkling drops of waters flash past down into the darkness. I'm trying to remove my prop here. Look, a carabiner. Just to give you the whole idea that we're climbing down into this, into this place. These words are the way to a treasure. Terror first, perhaps, then treasure. The ruins of a lost civilization are at the bottom of this abyss. There's secrets down there. Power, wealth, innocence. Words are ropes by which we safely descend or free fall. There's so many stories waiting, lurking perhaps, at the end of our rope. Words are the stuff of podcasts. That's what we've got to work with. Words have been built. Oh, worlds, excuse me. Worlds have been built with words, which is weird because words are less than nothing. Passing vibrations in the air or transient states of digital memory, splishes of ink on paper. They are less substantial than the pencil that writes them or the fingers that type them, yet, they can reach around the world, motivate or discourage. So I flow these words from any when and every who, and with luck they might parse into a conceptual key, a breakthrough. Our words are potent to the degree we are potency, inspiring to the degree we invite inspiration. Open up, be the ball, Danny. I feel this when I write, That's that there's an almost and about to be. Writing is tinkering with nothing, and 99.9% .9 of our shared everything is nothing. Matter is a slight perturbation, perturbation of emptiness, so some people say. It follows that we can hack the empty with less than nothing. Words. Words. Let me show you something here. Look at this. What I've got here, I've got here a magnifying glass, right? And what's this? Well, this comes with, hang on, wait for it. This comes with, oh, God damn. Oh, the, uh, the compact version of the Oxford English Dictionary. We talk about words. Look at this. This is a page. I'm going to open this up. This is a page in the Oxford English Dictionary, the compact edition. Can you see how teensy tiny those words are? It's Two volumes of books this thick. Let's just, just do a little, let's open it random here. We got ran, random, get our magnifying glass out because fuck if I can read this, it's so tiny. And I'm gonna look here uh, to, uh, let's see if I find a word here. Jeez, uh, I don't even see a word. Oh, there we go. Wow, this is just the entry for foot. And it says, uh, it says Alexander 3246, when fortune fondest him, for in him be fetch twice. <laughs> Whatever. Anything else I might pick out here? Uh, uh, it's kind of, let's see here. Um, a sure preventative against foot rot. Marcus Clark, young hopeful, is set to work foot, foot rotting. My God. So anyway. Words. There's so many words. Foot rotting. There's some words for you. Yeah. The she box visual language development starts with dialogue. Words spoken by the characters she box and Buffalo Joe, previously Uncle Joe. 
The she-box is embodied as billions of hemp board boxes coated with a fusion of computational paint and mycelia, the combined surface area of all those boxes being equivalent to a computer chip as big as the great state of Texas in the United States of America. So her thoughts happen on her skin. Her mind is on the outside. She displays her processes, her jokes and musings. She hides nothing, but there are levels of intentionality, of deliberateness. Perhaps we might explore the premise that she is a naked goddess, so sublime and striking in her vulnerability as to be evidence that she is mighty. Displaying her thoughts and emotions is neither subterfuge nor persuasion, it is play. Also her breath and heartbeat. She is inside out, a vessel containing the needs and even the dreams of her people, wrapped in, a, in an ethereal gauze of cognition. It's pretty freaking awesome writing, if I say so myself. I started off talking about words and how something comes from nothing. The mandate of the she-box artists, that's me, Melanie, and Joe, is to translate or reverse engineer the words into imagery, to expand or nuance her thoughts with pictures. The human analog to her surface imagery is facial expressions and body language. Whereas a cuttlefish has color and patterns, uh, she-box has symbols, geometry, photorealism, movement, editorial. With luck, the she-box artists will have imagery for all of the Act 1 dialogue pairs by 0113, that's January 13th, next Monday, I think. Then we'll choose the most juicy ideas and connect them to each other. The plan is to begin roughing in the After Effects proof of concept in the next few days and then get some feedback soon after. If you want to look at some of the sketches that we have so far, you go to uh, yhy.movie, M-O-V-I-E, go there, and then in the search, the little search icon, if you're on a desktop machine, you type in V5, capital V5, and that'll take you to the page where all the dialogue pairs are and our sketches, and the numbers of those dialogue pairs will link to bigger versions of those sketches and explanations about what they might be about, yes. So there you go. If you want to participate, if you want to jump in and be more involved, there's your, there's your access. Um, uh, you know, and, and, and basically the she box started out as relief boxes, right? You know, uh, with various things for the survivors of the, of the apocalypse, like solar distillers and, and uh, sprouting supplies. And I thought of another one that I thought might be kind of cool um, is a, uh, uh, this is both a relief, a relief box and maybe a real life project that could be worth exploring. And that's the edible spoon, 1000 count. You know, so imagine a really tasty edible spoon that's made out of sprouted grains and then it's either baked or dehydrated. And, and then maybe you could individually wrap them in some biodegradable sleeve and you could eat soup with them. They would last long enough that you could eat soup. And then by the time you're done with like a bowl of soup, they might be kind of, you know, starting to, get a little squishy and you just eat them. Yeah, or you can eat them like a snack, like a cracker. <laughs> Edible spoons, right? How cool is that? Just gets rid of this whole plastic and, and compostable, you know, whatever, right? I mean, surely somebody has thought, I know that people have thought of edible bowls, but what about edible spoons? It seems like the really obvious to me. Anyway, and there's no cleaning up afterwards. 
It's kind of what the, don't the Buddhist monks do that? They kind of like, they really make sure that they clean their bowl. Actually, the Hindu monks as well. I'm a kind of a sort of a Hindu monk in training, and I always try and clean my bowl out, right? Okay, so um, uh, there. That's, this episode is now over. Awesome writing, if I say so myself. What can you expect coming up? I'll go out on a limb and make a prediction for the next couple of weeks. In episode 177, we'll bounce a pragmatic perspective on wilderness and how a movie studio lands gently there. Episode 178 will likely be a request for feedback on Shebox language visualization. That's as far as head, far as that's as far ahead as I can see today. Trust you've had as much fun watching and listening as I've had being me here, wherever I am, dark shaft or forest defile. Make yourself with gusto today and every day. Daughter of Godcast, season five climax, and this has been episode 175, Wordus. I'm Dan Kelly, Shri Fuji Split. Mwah! <laughs>